0: All right guys, welcome back to the Fitness in Philosophy podcast. My name is Robbie Gustin and I'm joined as always by OPEX Fitness founder, James Fitzgerald. James, how are you doing
1: today? I'm good, Robbie. Thanks. Thanks for welcoming me onto the show. <laughs> no it's problem. great to be here. <laughs> what episode is it today? 14? 13. 13. Last time was 12, so. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, 13. Well, to the ages, 13's a a uh, really mystical number isn't it yeah and um kind of um yeah mysterious number um, but hey it's like the the start of that uh, move away from the nest in regards to chronological age and human development at that, that age 13 is you know interesting little people at that point in time
0: yeah it's interesting on in certain cultures like you
1: know in the jewish tradition with like
0: uh, a barman or something like that or hmm. how how at one point that was kind of the Age and then you know kind of migrated to 18 and now there's you know kind of that 20 to 30 it's, it's, it's interesting watching the yeah. development over time
1: yeah I just had that discussion the other day of you know what let's call adulthood was considered 500 years ago you know it was uh it's different in terms of the expectations and what currently someone is expected to do socially at 15 years of age today is quite different than 500 years ago
0: yeah dramatically so and yeah probably probably has a lot to do with like the length of at least partially the length of time lived on average but yeah
1: yeah well yeah i guess that's an interesting topic for another time um yeah i think it's definitely the environment that had to do with that i think that's uh that's one thing that has to be taken into consideration for it but you know um and you know the growth of the brain relative to what's in the environment could dictate that but uh yeah i got some other thoughts on that uh, I don't, think the, I don't think the brain is that advanced, actually, over 500 years. Um, it just seemingly looks like we can uh, partake in absorbing more information. But you have to define, I guess, what what better is, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. That would yeah. be,
0: cool, be a cool one to discuss.
1: Yeah, but that's not for today. Today, <laughs> is, uh, today is an exciting one. Um, we haven't, uh, you and I, discussed this uh, back room so people could know. Maybe give them some insight into what we do pre uh, podcast this first time we've done this you know thought or shared this is that we um, uh, with Robbie's uh, guidance and competency in the areas of particular investigation inside of philosophy um, he lays out um, you know a conceptual a word and an idea and then we try to see where that fits in in two areas how philosophy works around it And then how fitness can be inside of that um, so that we can get to our goal of, you know, fitness inside of philosophy as being our long-term objective for this. So um, we had, you know, Robbie just this past week, as usual, uh, hands over the information and says, this is the direction, how we want to, you know, move the ship in this, in this way. Um, And we were both fairly excited to talk about this. So, If that's the case, then, uh, um, you know, let's get at it and uh, see what comes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think both you and I, like, you know, we love concepts like, you know, truth and knowledge and autonomy. And I I mean, I I love discussing that stuff, but I think it's also, you know, to your point of what we were saying earlier, like we're both excited. It's always exciting to discuss it in in a realm where, you know, it, it also can have a lot more practical re- relevance. And when we get into these big issues of how do we shift society at large in such a way that we either lead to the betterment of humans through fitness and and, and what role does you know the government play in that? So just, yeah, super interesting questions.
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, as you're saying that, I think that it's a nice reflection, Robbie, because it, it makes us go, well, why are we excited about this particular topic? And I think for me, I'll speak for myself only that um, it's something that I am very curious about because it inspires something deeper than myself um, to think about and contemplate. Um, So when I discuss the concept of um, just liberties and freedoms and where, where, especially, you know, where physical freedom comes in, I just, I just go into myself and go, wow, the whole concept of it, you know, the idea of freedom as a word all by itself to me just personally inspires me. But then, you know, I even get really jazzed up because the awakening of a number of other people to that concept, I really believe is a very challenging proposition, but is a, would be, I think, an unremarkable accomplishment to wake people up to that concept of it. What what. will uh what we will work on in terms of fitness freedom and how we how we name that you know
0: yeah absolutely and i mean for me i mean I, i would i would share those sentiments i would i would say that when i used to teach political philosophy you know one of the things that happens today especially you know i guess in our current culture where these these debates get very heated and people get very entrenched um when you reflect upon what the debate is actually about, it actually ties back to these very deep and fundamental questions about what is the role of government in someone's life? Is it just to ensure that they can essentially not be attacked and, you know, go about their business? Or is it to bring about the good or the right life? And there are positives and negatives of each. And it's it's not as simple as just saying one's dumb and the other's not so you know, for people who are not sure whether philosophy actually has a use or relevance, like I can assure you that any discussion you want to have in politics, um, has a very deep connection to deeper philosophical questions about justice or equality or things like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, cause it also just indirectly asks you to take a second, you know, and just lay a bunch of different things on the table and find this nice balance between what your emotions right and what what logic is saying is in place so i think that's what philosophy acts as um is this fantastic opportunity to take any particular topic and uh for you know it, it warrants discussion and it warrants dialogue and it basically says that we're actually not looking for a particular um orthodoxy um, we're looking for or even a hierarchy we're looking for um just uh, an opportunity to jam on ideas and to and to maybe come up with some of the things that are gonna work for you particularly and we'll still leave and have the exact same beliefs that are different to one another. You know what I'm saying? And and it all, you know, in the end, uh, you know, may may work out with that questioning, right? So really,
0: Yeah that's why I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, I agree. And I you know one of the analogies I would sometimes use with my students was Philosophy is kind of like intellectual travel. Like I think we've all had the experience where we go to a different country It's like oh they do that that way But sometimes that's better in a lot of ways and it's like you you just get so enmeshed in your own set of Conceptual possibilities that you you don't realize. Oh, why don't we just toss an assumption out and do something different? Yeah, so philosophy is kind of like that for the mind.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah, such a great example intellectual travel. I love it Um, I had used I'd used uh, uh, that as a as a placeholder idea to to strategize around a couple of different words with our gyms, our OPEX gyms, this past week. Um, so using, I guess, like a uh, it could be incorrectly called Robbie, but I used what was called a metaphorical hypothesis, allowing people to just stretch their brain on what what could possibly be a case of something. To your point, like intellectual travel it allows you to like to get out and and see that there are differences that there are like you know and, and uh, anyways it was a really great uh, very uncomfortable uh, you know I just wanted to make mention of that because even when you do travel as an example uh, there are some things that you got to be prepared for if you're not good at adaptation right if you're not good for you know um, oh geez um you know I, I don't I travel to London and I feel tired, right? And you're just going to be a whiny uh, little bugger about it for three days. It's like, <laughs> you know, you're probably not going to be able to adapt some of the things. No, the point I'm making, though, is that it was very uncomfortable to do that travel um, because some people have never practiced it. So that's why philosophy is also not uh, in practice something you just step into and it's like, oh, this is fantastic you have to recognize how well you adapt to these really challenging ideas, right. And, and challenging, uh, concepts. Um, and I'll, just, I'll keep going with it just as an example, analogy, I'm reading this book called, uh, the art of choosing right now, uh, by Sheena Iyengar and, uh, she's blind. Um, but she's done this tremendous amount of research on uh, choice and, uh, and control and, uh, kind of words that you and I love, like, uh, um, self-governance and uh, autonomy and sovereignty and um, and the uh, the uh, practice that she had in there that she gets people to recognize these differences um, is understanding the individualism and collectivism differences in thoughts and how in geography back to your point on travel how that you know really opens up people's minds so she gave examples where people travel to Japan and. This uh, individualist style of thinking that they bring with them, and they get there, and they're like, "I don't understand how you work, live, c- c- have community." Like they can't get it because they don't uh, they don't understand how to put their put their mind in their place in that area with a different thinking. That makes sense. So uh, that's all to back up to say that when you do this travel intellectually. Uh, you gotta be prepared to be open-minded. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's going to get, you know, I, I don't want to scare people off, but I mean, at times it gets uncomfortable at times. Yeah. I've, I've had that so many times when studying philosophy where it's like, here's this, you know, cherished belief, whatever it may be. And as philosophers, we try not to have too many of those cause we know they get slung down, but you, you know, you still have some of them. And then there's this argument that comes along and it's like, Whoa, Okay, well, why, why did I believe that? And, and what are the implications of me tossing that out? And what, what do I do now? So not all philosophy of life is like that. I mean, some of it can be revelatory and celebration feel great. But I mean, just like with travel where you're like, whoa, what have I been doing? Yeah, um, yeah some, some, sometimes you get into that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Anyhow, thanks, for, uh, thanks everyone for going along a little journey there with that one yeah. before we get going on the topic. Oh, yeah.
0: All right, guys. So before we talk about liberty, um, and I feel like it's a running joke on <laughs> our podcast, but that's okay. Uh, th- these things require lots of discussion. This is probably going to be a two, maybe even a three-parter. We'll probably do it later down the line. There's a lot to discuss yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, but just as an intro, I want to talk about political philosophy first and what it does, and then we can talk about liberty. So political philosophy, as you might imagine, asks deep philosophical questions about politics, things that people engaged in politics may occasionally uh, ask, but they're more enmeshed in the actual business of politics. So sometimes it's hard to step back. So this is where political philosophy comes in. So things like, what is justice? What's the best form of government? You know, Plato's Republic, which in many ways is kind of the, the foundation of Western philosophy, is in a lot of ways, a work of political philosophy, where he talks about the pros and cons of democracy and tyranny and all these different things. Are liberty and equality compatible? Um, Are liberty and safety compatible? You know, these are all things, you know, rah, 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 safety. Awesome. Great. Mm -hmm. We want it. We want equality too. We want liberty. But there are ways in which these don't always mesh with one another, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We could all be a whole lot more safe if there were cameras everywhere. But that infringes upon this Mm -hmm. intrinsically worthwhile thing called liberty. Um, What's the most important role of government? We'll, We'll talk about this a lot today. Is it just to ensure our ability to freely move about and pursue what we want? Or is it to help us cultivate the good or the right life? Is it to positively promote that? There's one conception of liberty which we'll talk about according to which Government is just there to protect us from foreign threats and to make sure no one else is stealing from us or, you know, killing or uh, doing any of that other stuff. And then government should just get out of the way. And there's another conception of government, according to which, no, the role of a government should be to help humans flourish, to help them lead the right life. Um, What's the relationship, if any, between legality and morality? People act as though these two are the same or similar. They are related but they are 100 percent not the same nor should they be um so what's the relationship there uh, under what conditions is social disobedience morally justified um you know it would seem to be uh a moral precept that you should you know generally obey the laws of the society under which you live but of course what about when those laws are unjust like in, um <laughs> Different places where, um, you know, people say women shouldn't be able to drive or something like that, or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. laws that seem unjust. So th- those are some of the questions that we can get into with uh, political philosophy. And then just one more that I, I just remembered I didn't uh, mention that I think is so crude. This, this question to me really sums up a lot of people's political leanings what should we do about the brute facts, meaning just like, it's a fact, there's really nothing we can do about it for the most part, but you know, there, there are questions about what we can do. Um, so as a society, a large part of our lives is due to luck. We don't choose who our parents are, we don't choose our height, we don't choose our innate athletic ability, we don't choose our innate intelligence, we don't choose whether our parents went to college, we don't choose whether they have money. And yet, all of those things have a profound effect upon our lives. Now, as a society, we can't change someone's height. We can't change someone's innate intellectual ability. We can't change their innate athletic ability. But we can do things to make it so that someone whose parents didn't go to college or don't have the money um, aren't doomed as a result. So there's a really deep and profound question there about, you know, some people say, well, that's the luck of the draw. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, free will, choice yourself up by your bootstraps. And there's another side that says, well, as a society, we should be involved in trying to make it so that there's some sort of safety net so that people through no fault of their own are Mm -hmm. you know um, doomed essentially for the rest of their lives. So those are some questions that political philosophy discusses. And I'm just gonna pause right there, James, in case you have any thoughts or questions or anything you wanna add.
1: Yeah, no, just in addition to the last point there, I think that's where we're gonna go uh, mainly for today. Um, is some other things to think about in there too, is that some of the things we don't, we don't know as well, you know, that are interesting or what I would call unknowns in how do we, I mean, there's no well observed facts around uh, you know, long-term investigation and work put into like um, you know, opportunities for fitness, right. Or opportunities for, for waking people up to the concept of fitness. This is where I'm going on instead of just saying luck or how you've, you know, just landed and you're like, oh, you got a Peloton and you're on 37th floor. Well, you know, great, good for you. And then there's like, well, some don't even know that it could be within them to improve it. They don't know that they may have the choice to make some very small adjustments that can get them to a certain spot. You know? So what I mean is that we also don't know what it's like to, I think what we need to discuss, too, is what I'm calling intervention. Like, what, 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 what results in intervention and how much work really is that? Um, and uh, can that really, like, you know, um, you know, act as a, quote, unquote, lean startup to, like, get people to this awareness, right? That they do have these things that are available to them, that they can, can get educated and, and become competent in these particular skills for health and fitness. You know, so that's one thing I st- we we don't know, right? We don't know. We could we could easily just say on historical context of these two different beliefs, like this is just where it ends up. But I think there's more than that. So that's that's one I would. That's one area that you know um, I think we need a bit more of investigation inside. And um, yeah, and I'll just stop there um, because I think down the road we're going to get to the this um, you know what I think is the big is the big uh, nugget to try to, to try to rock is like uh, it's not around, you know, what we have to work with and the system that's in place in order to get people awake to that. Um, I think it comes down to um, possibly leaning up against what I like to call, you know, what you're physically capable of and then experiences inside of that. And I think that's an easy way to kind of, you know, get people, uh, let's call it leveled up to this this level of freedom that they're going to have. And then, Robbie, we don't have to get into all the uncomfortable spots, right? Well, not that we don't want to today, but we don't have to get into the uncomfortable spots of saying like, well, these people know that there's some positivity in that, and they know it's going to lead to health and fitness, but uh, and and it's available, and they have a choice, and everyone, you know, I mean, there's Google and YouTube and et cetera, um, uh, but they're choosing not to do it, right? Uh, but But we're all trying to be in the same room. You know, um, and so then then it gets always ends up in the uncomfortable conversation of like, well, what are what are what should they be doing if it impedes on my freedoms based upon what I want to do, right? And that's where we need to discuss like, well, what what are those impedances, right? And and what does that mean? And then when you get the crisscross of being in the same room under the same guidelines, right? Which is you know taxes and um, and uh, yeah, just uh, operating as a you know, operating civ- civilly, 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 civilly. Civilly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I,
0: I think that's a very important point. And, um, you know, like you said, we'll get to discussing that, but that's exactly where the crux of the issue comes in. And, you know, there are lots of different ways in which you can discuss it. But of course, in our case, we'll be discussing it with relation to fitness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, again, on one conception of the role of government, mm-hmm. You know, if someone wants to stay home and eat Cheetos and not do anything, that is their right. And it may be very good for them to engage and exercise and eat healthy, but, um, you know, for all sorts of reasons. But that's not the role of government to say anything one way or the other about that. And then there's another conception according to to which, well, you know, you could say it just because it's the good life. um, That's something we should pursue. Or you can even couch it in terms of, you know, potential harm in terms of, well, this person doing that collectively raises all of our health insurance prices. Do you you know what I mean? There's, there's those debates and arguments as well. So what constitutes harm in such a way that we would want to legislate either in terms of laws or taxes to affect people's behavior?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also, I just remembered, thank you for that. Um, Yeah. I also remembered uh, this, you know, where I think it has to somewhere come in the conversation and let me know if it's, if it's not going to be time for it or move to another time, but uh, this unspoken or, or I guess lost um, uh, virtue of optimizing one's life. Like the, you know, if, if we know that, you know, no matter what your mental capabilities are and your physical capabilities, there are high-end constraints. But if, the, if, if we have observed, like you and I have observed, just being in the fitness zeitgeist, that there's billions of people who don't take, like, go from step two to three to four out of ten in their lifetime, right? Right? yet we know that they have an opportunity to get to like nine and a half out of 10. Like it, it's there. They had, they have the opportunity to do it, you know? And maybe some of those people did it back in the day when they like owned a farm and like, you know, built homes and, and provided for their families. You know what I'm saying? Like they physically and cognitively had to like work within these, you know, really challenging spots. They probably operated at an optimal level, right? nine, at a nine, nine and a half out of 10 for at least 55 years um, until water and medication and sanitation came along. But you get my point is that I think we need to somehow put that into the, into the conversation today too um, of like, why, why don't we go after um, this uh, this higher order concept of a beacon of, of optimizing. And then we don't land in like previous, you know, historical context garbage or get into the determinism and where this all comes from and what you have available and choice. Um, it could just be like, well, why don't we all agree that we all want to, you know, go towards this optimum level of being. And then just through experience, those things will, uh, will figure themselves out.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's exactly the crux of the issue. And so, you know, even if we could all agree to that, then there's that, that question that we're going to be talking about deeply today, Should the government have any role whatsoever in that or not? Is that just a a personal virtue thing? Is that something, you know, famous example, giving to charity, you know, super good thing to do. Uh, But the argument would be it's not the role of government to say one way or the other whether we should. Same thing with eating healthy or smoking cigarettes or or what have you. So that's really the crux of the issue when it comes to um, the liberty discussion.
1: Yeah um also to think about you know we don't know where our users are but we could probably add that in a bit to the conversation too uh robbie not users (laughs) listeners um starting to sound like big tech there um yeah uh, where our listeners are they they could be in different countries around the world where their government institutions and what the free society is is completely different than the way we're discussing so We wanna let everyone know we're not ignorant in that, it's just we're using this as a base support as to what our experiences are to to ask the questions around uh, government influence inside of uh, uh, living the largest life possible. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I I think that's a very important point to keep in mind because, yeah, 21st century North America is not the context of all time in all places, so. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what liberty is so um quick dictionary definitions the power to do as one pleases freedom from arbitrary restraint um the positive enjoyment of various social political and economic rights and the power of choice now if you're listening to that and saying well those all sound similar but some of them are different you're right Mm -hmm. because and that's what we're going to talk about is that there are these different conceptions of liberty it's not just the absence of constraint it can also have to do with living the good or the best life so What are some examples of famous liberties um, that we can talk about? At least, again, we know this hyper-local, but 21st century North America, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, uh, freedom of religion, and those are not shared everywhere by any means, um, but those would be some famous examples. Now, something we have to be really clear on that I think gets lost in the debate, especially on the kind of the... I guess what you might call the super libertarian side of things, you know, where it's just rah, 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 liberty, uh, as much as possible, and that, that can be good of course, but we are entitled to the maximum liberty possible dot, dot, dot that is compatible with the maximum liberty possible for others. So in other words, you don't have the right to buy a tank and drive it on the wrong side of the road down the street. Even though we have freedom of speech, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Um, so people need to recognize that you know liberty means liberty that is compatible with the maximum possible liberty for others. Now, the most important philosophical question here that's really tough, of course, is what does that mean? Is secondhand smoke an infringement upon your liberty? Is not having car insurance infringing upon my liberty? Do you know what I mean? All those types of things. Um, so I'll pause there for a second, see if you have any thoughts.
1: Yeah, no. I'm just I'm just excited to get into you know where we're going to be and how fitness lands in that, um, you know, and just uh, I think it, it you know, uh, it's going to get us to questioning the importance of that and um, the importance of health. And again, I don't I don't mind doing it, but it's going to bring us back to like, well, if we define what health is and we define what optimizing is and we create pillars, right? Cognition or sorry, locomotion resilience. Perception and uh, and uh, cognition, perception, locomotion, resilience—those are the pillars. beasts, basically, we can work towards. Then we can then start to say that, yeah, you have all the liberties as you wish to to partake in going, you know, that route. Um, but also, if you if you do not participate in it, and you choose not to do that, and go towards that optimal, then how does that work for all of us? Right? How does that work for all of us in what we want to do? Uh, so I'm interested in in that.
0: Yeah, agreed. I am too. Um, so let's talk a little bit briefly about why is liberty important? It's to be able, you know, to do as we wish with our life, to not be able, not to not be subject to the whims or forces um, of tyranny or things outside of us. And going back to a previous episode, we did liberty is a necessary precondition for autonomy. Can't really be autonomous if you don't even have this first conception of the absence of constraint. How can someone be autonomous if they're up in chains or arrested for publishing an article or so forth?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so now let's talk about negative versus positive liberty, and th- this is really where you know if you guys are wondering where the fitness connection and connection is uh, connects to a lot of the stuff we already discussed, but it really connects here. So. Negative liberty is the absence of obstacles, barriers, and constraints. So this does not mean negative in the pejorative sense of bad or wrong or evil. It just means the absence of something. So it's typically applied to individuals. And the idea is that you have liberty or you are free to the extent that you are not constrained under the rule of a tyrant, or no one's forcing you with mind control or drugs or any one of these crazy philosophy thought experiments that people drum up. Uh, to do something now, with anything in philosophy, um, there are pluses and minuses here, so pluses of negative liberty it guards against the poten- it guards against potential authoritarianism, uh, paternalism, you know the idea that someone know- would know better than you what 's good for your life
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i 'm not using this term this has no indication of what I personally believe, or otherwise, it's just the term that gets used, the so-called nanny state. So the, the idea here being, look, so a famous example from when I was in college in New York City was, you know, Mike Bloomberg, the mayor, put into effect a rule about you're not allowed to sell, uh, it wasn't big gulps because not every place has a big gulp, but you're not allowed to sell sodas above a certain size.
1: Yeah.
0: And the big debate, of course, back and forth was, well, this isn't like secondhand smoke, right? Secondhand smoke has objective... Verifiable, like you are in my direct vicinity, you are gonna get health issues as a result. Someone drinking a 64-ounce soda or 128-ounce soda, it's really bad for them. And maybe it's bad for our health insurance system, but ooh, man, we gotta we gotta draw those red yarn strings really thick to make this argument that it's infringing upon someone else's liberty. So that that's really where you get into that that piece right there. Um the negatives there are that it's the, well, and I guess it depends on what view you take, but it's the absolute bare minimum conception of government. So the idea here, if you take it to its logical extreme, government should have a standing army to protect us from foreign threats,
1: mm-hmm.
0: should have a judicial system with police and judges and lawyers and all the rest of that. But aside from that, it should get out of the way. It's, it has a deep epistemological skepticism about the ability of government to know what's right or good, and its ability to um, implement it. And thus the idea is, look, we are all free to pursue conception of good um, and the government's role is just to protect us in, in, in doing that. So I'll just pause there for a second, see if uh, anything you want to say. When we're no, um, I'm being
1: okay. educated as we go. So I really like it. It's, uh, it's, I, I read it, but I'm now getting it. So I appreciate it. Oh, no problem.
0: Yep. So um, another way to phrase this is that a central feature of the negative conception of liberty is that we can't and shouldn't impose personal growth from the outside. Um, You know, we've all experienced this as kids too. I mean, this is not a perfect analogy, but we've all had times when we were kids when we thought, you know, I'm my own person. Why are my parents trying to impose this on me? And maybe later in life you recognize, okay, well, they had a good reason. And maybe you're like, well, sometimes they didn't, but, the idea eventually is, when you're adult, that you should be able to choose whether you eat healthy, avoid cigarettes, wear a seatbelt, or give to charity. We could, you know, you and I probably agree that all those things are are good. But whether they're good or not is a separate question from where whether government should have a role to play. And this is where people get confused. They say, "Well, how could you possibly argue that someone shouldn't wear a seatbelt?" No one's arguing that someone shouldn't wear a seatbelt, although maybe some people do. We can all grant that that's a good and better thing to do, but what we're asking is, should the government have a role in legally penalizing people and saying, well, you're not doing this thing that's just going to harm you and no one else? Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that's the crux of the issue, right? What constitutes harming someone else? Yeah. Um, now let's talk about positive liberty. So positive liberty has to do with cultivating a good life and autonomy. So again, doesn't mean positive in the sense of like good, right, or the best or correct or something like that. It has to do with more with the negative conception for these folks isn't enough. It's not just enough to have no constraints. We as a society have to try to do what's good or right to, to to better civilization in some way. We can't just leave people um, without that, uh, piece. So the idea here is, you know, famous examples would be um, social security, um, you know, food stamps, welfare, things like that. And there are different varieties of this, of course, but the idea being that someone's life shouldn't come to ruin through an awful fault of their own, right? Someone gets an acute medical incident, they're hit by a car that ran a red light, and all of a sudden their life is in shambles because they're drowning in medical debt. So the that that would be one example. Now you could have more robust examples like we should teach people to you know eat the healthiest or to learn certain things or things like that. But that's that's kind of the idea. Now pluses and minuses here. The government, you know, the pluses you might say are that the government can help us achieve self-actualization via things like healthcare or education or anti-poverty measures. A famous argument on this side is. Well, look, how free can you really be? You know you might technically have the freedom to leave your job, but if you're living below the poverty line and the only way you get health care is via your job, how free are you? So that's where the discussions really kind of hit the road. Yeah. The minuses of course, are the exact opposite of what they were in the negative liberty case, so nanny state, paternalism, potential authoritarianism. Um, one other thing to point out here that's very important in philosophical discussions is that the burden of proof very squarely lies on the person who wants to argue for positive Liberty. They have the intellectual work and ground to cover to argue for this. It's not saying it it, it can't be done. It's just to say that like negative Liberty is the baseline. We can all agree to that. Mm -hmm. And if you want to say that something like, you know, everyone should have healthcare so that healthcare costs don't go up for everyone. Everyone should have car insurance. Uh, or people shouldn't, you know, smoke in a crowded bar. You need to be the one providing objective, empirical, verifiable um, evidence to, to substantiate that claim.
1: Yeah. So I guess that's what that my word was uh, on optimizing, right? I got to define with a really strong argument what optimizing is, basically, right? Like what is optimal and what's my argument for that? Um, and another example to the negative Liberty side, I was thinking about, which, and again, that's why it gets complex and it needs to be stretched out is, um, I gave you the example member offline, right? I think there's another topic where I was like, well, how about, uh, things that we can't even connect that have impact. So, uh, maybe the teacher that my child spends, um, uh, or the avatar of a teacher that my child spends you know, uh, 45% of their, their life up to 18, uh, they don't believe in health and fitness. So now, now there's a rub, you know what I'm saying? Like now in a, in an institution that is, whether you like it or not, is directly influencing my child and their perspective on what a bigger life is, et cetera. I could say in a deeper argument that I, I can argument, against that intention on what their beliefs are do you see so I, I you can see how it doesn't it doesn't look like it's impeding on me directly like it's not my shit and it's not my problem right but but maybe it's a institution that's set up that uh that doesn't lead lead it towards what i would like my children to hear in terms of this optimal goal for health and fitness so you see what i'm saying like and depending upon where you're coming from you may be like dude, dude that's a that's a weak ass argument your children have education, you know, is you know, uh, I could see that, but you know, um, I think that's the, uh, that's, that's probably the, the area that just seemingly. And again, for me, in my mind, it brings us back to, you know, you know, well, why do it at all if there is this lived experience that we see and people are not participating in this optimization, right. And, and people, and there's a shit ton of people who, who are not, They're not going after a really robust, uh, fully expressed lifestyle. They're not going after that. And our only definition of a great life is standing up and shuffling with medicine at 86. And because you're standing up at 86, 86 is the score for mortality, right? That's lived. And I'm saying maybe, you know, maybe 67 is, is awesome. Um, and uh, really lots of lived experiences up to 67. Anyways, I just use that number because it's different than 86 and 67 seems like a short lifestyle, um, but uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, and I, I would agree with you that that's really the crux of the issue and where the arguments have to be made about like what constitutes harm. So like famous example, not to take us too deep down a rabbit hole, but you know, uh, gay marriage is, is a famous one that people will bring up here. Someone saying, well, I am offended by the idea that two people would do something against my personal conception isn't sufficient for harm. And, that, and that's, that's really the crux is that in a, and I'm, I'm using that example not to just hammer on that example, but to point out the fact that unless you want to go back to, well, no, let me, let me rephrase this because it's going to come off a, a different way.
1: <laughs> you, can't, you can't go into this one without going <laughs>
0: Well, no, so hopefully this will make sense. So, in a modern democratic society, in, in a pluralistic society, where we have Hindus and we have Christians and we have Jews and we have people who don't believe anything at all, um, not don't believe anything at all, but don't have theistic beliefs That's, that's the better way to put it. Um, or people who you know are Democrats or Republicans, or are different ways of thinking about things there's a certain extent to which we need to be okay with there being different conceptions of the good that are ultimately incompatible because they're not all saying the same thing and us going about our lives. But that's, that's really where, again, we get back to this question of um, to what extent can those, you know, interplay with one another and what constitutes harm and are my beliefs okay? Are they not okay? Those, those types of things. But I think that's really where the, 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 argument takes place.
1: Yeah, no, that is a great, uh, man. And it just, it just opens my minds to so many other really challenging, uh, conversations based upon that, you know? Um, and I don't, I don't really know what to use as a base support, uh, for my own mental faculties to use in those arguments. Like I don't have, I just don't have enough. Like I haven't had enough experience in reading and understanding and living to uh to really try to find some heuristics inside of like well how do you navigate these challenges right how do you how do you work your way through this i think this is where the strength is in philosophy but it's also where it becomes like just maddening and that you you want to have some kind of direction right um to it and uh and again i think we just get always tripped up in um in our own beliefs yeah.
0: And I, but I think, you know, I think there are, you know, I, I can totally understand how the philosophy side can be like, Oh my God, there's just so much stuff, but there are ways to get a handle on this and to even maybe argue for what you want to argue for with positive Liberty. You know, you could make arguments, you know, like JFK made uh, along the lines of better citizenry, able to pursue the good in kind of the best possible way. Um, other things you could do that we'll talk about when we get into more nitty-gritty positive liberty is, it doesn't always need to be as aggressive as laws. We don't need to outlaw Cheetos, right? We don't need to outlaw cigarettes, but we can say, well, given the health impact this is gonna have, we're gonna tax them. Or we're gonna give you tax breaks for going to, you know what I mean? So there can be different ways that you can guide things, and that, that's its own debate too, yeah. but without getting so, without having such heavy infringement upon, okay, Cheetos and big gulps are gone yeah so there are different ways you can na- kind of navigate that.
1: yeah, so. yeah. would, would uh, electric cars in the and the uh, tax rebates on that be a slight example of of moving into that area, like trying to figure out how you know and, and not taking any sides of like you know how much electrical cars you know impede on the grid as well, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying you know, the, you know I think that's a, that's a movement, probably a, um, an investigation of something we should watch right over the next uh, 10 years or so.
0: Yes, that would be a perfect example. When we're talking about environmental stewardship and the extent to which government should be involved. Yes, the burden is on the government to show that there will be harm that comes. And you know, if we have these objective empirical verifiable studies that show that there will be harm, having tax breaks, let's say for solar energy or electric cars or what have you in such a way to as maybe guide this positive behavior for the overall uh, collective good, of society, yes, absolutely,
1: yeah, 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 um, it's still going to end up, I think, as an example too, for that, it's still going to end up in um, yeah it, it's just still still going to be a lot of questions inside of it, using that as an example, yeah, absolutely, yeah that's that's why I always Robbie, I don't know if it's always the you know, because I, I play that in my mind all the time, not with just electric cars, but just in terms of the fitness topic especially, and. You know, I just keep going back to like, well, why, why don't we just go after the observed uh, things that are really positive about an optimized lifestyle? You know, the positive liberty aspect of things, right? And why don't we just work super hard to come up with really strong arguments for proof of that? You know, um, and I think, I think getting into that area is also probably uh, safer, I would, I would say. Um, and because you're, you're not, I guess to even use that word, it is more positive, you know, in, in concept, um, because you're, you're basically just saying it's, you know, you could still do what you want to do, but we're telling you there is, there is this thing, right? There is this thing. And there's a, there's a better version of you as a possibility inside of that thing. And, and we're just asking you to just try, to try it, like try to move towards that, um, full well knowing that it, it won't result in some unbelievable scientific data that's going to prove us correct, you know, but, but God damn it. It's, it's at least going to make, uh, you know, it's going to, yeah, it, you know, in my mind, I'm trying to think about the words of how someone else will see it, but in my mind, it's going to be impactful, you know? Yeah. Well, I
0: think, I mean, going back to, you know, our discussion of, you know, educating kids from five to 18 to be autonomous in their fitness practices. One thing I haven't mentioned yet that's hugely relevant here that kind of ruffles the negative Liberty folks feathers sometimes is kids, right? So even if we all agree that, um, you know, Cheetos shouldn't be outlawed or that you should be free to wear a bike helmet or not wear a bike helmet or a seatbelt past a certain age, uh, you know that's certainly not the case for kids you know generally the agreement is well look you know if you're below the age of reason you have to wear a seatbelt and you have to wear a yeah. uh, bike helmet and you know <laughs> and things like that so one one way we could you know talk about your conception of trying to guide this is we could say well look at that developmental age we're going to teach you how to eventually pursue this long term what you do at 18 that's up to you yeah, yeah. but we can guide it that way
1: yeah I'm laughing because we said this on the call the other day or a mentorship call where I was, uh, I don't know, we got to a point in the conversation. Where I was like, man, you know, humans, older humans, or let's call it maturing brain humans should take a test and have some kind of a governing body that says you should or should not be a parent. My you know, mom always think, used to say that. Think about <laughs> that, right? Like, um, that, of course, sounds very tyrannical uh, but, uh, um, and dictator-like, but uh, that's not what I was getting at. It. It's just that to solve for that, which is the younger mind that can't make those decisions. And, you know, listen, Doritos at age six is, tastes really fucking good, right? Like, man, come on. It's nothing like raw broccoli, let me tell you that. No matter how good your primal, you know, turkey, avocado oil thing is, you know, um, it's not going to make it. It just isn't. I mean, there's systems set up at the right height for the Doritos and the taste. It's like mind blowing trying to give you an insight into like trying to shift that six year old brain is like, forget it. So, so you do have to ask who, who has governance over that situation as a child? And it, this is where it gets into um, the concept of uh, parenting, the concept of reproduction, uh, the concept of uh, offspring, uh, the concept of uh, I, we'll use the term analogy today. It's a little bit more misunderstood, but the nuclear family concept um, and deriving all the habits and building all the things inside of it for that young mind that, that doesn't have a super amount of freedom, but you're setting them up to give them the opportunity of exploration and choice at a point in time where they observed all these, let's call it good pieces in place, right? You know, the good, the good pieces in place. Um, and so I agree. And that's why it gets, uh, it, that's why I of course, just went to the quick you know uh idea, Robbie of like just just put it in all their heads from age five to eighteen, and i 'm telling you you won 't need fitness coaches and you won't need you know all of that stuff that's that's done after eighteen years of age um And so, and I'm not saying that too, just to back up on our previous conversation to say, like, let's just forget about adults, they're lost, you know, and just let them, let them figure shit out, you know, with the old saying, like, you're a fucking adult, like, figure it out, right? Like, you know, you don't know what weights to choose. Oh, you don't know what weights to choose, you know? Oh my God, like, that's the end of your, end of your week. Think about that, right? You're a fucking adult, figure it out. Um, But when it comes to kids, they don't know what weight to choose, right? And they don't know what, what uh, upper pushing means. And they don't know how that relates to them fitting in, you know? And so you need guidance on this and you need an adult brain that is going to allow them to kind of figure those things out and solve problems such that they're starting to come up with what is right and what is, what is something that they can like practice and have inside of them as habits that like, man, yeah, I, like I discuss with my girls, not to virtue signal what we do at all, because we don't, we're not the greatest parents, we try to do as best we can. We, we get them to, when they like sleep over and have some shitty food at their friend's place, the next day they're tired and they're not feeling good and they feel a little sick. It's like, well, let's talk about how that could have happened, you know? And they get to a conversation of like, yep, you know, I reverse engineered it back and you know, I probably, shouldn't have had what I had for those foods. And I could have probably looked at other options, but these are the emotions I was feeling when I wanted to make those choices. And these are the repercussions that I have from that, right? So you can see that we're just giving them the opportunity to like, you are going to have to figure those things out, right? Based upon the choices you have. But here's the thing, right? This is the catch. But for the next six days in this house, this is what it's going to look like. Do you see that? So, and that looks like, you know, authoritarian, but no, that's a responsibility that I have to provide for them. What I believe is the best choices, you know? And this is the thing. It's not complex. Like that, that's like the, like to your point is like, Oh, James, the best choices are not hard. to. Oh my gosh. The best choices are out there. Like it's all available and accessible. And this is where of course, why, what I, why I do what I do every day and why we're having this discussion is to try to create higher levels of education and awareness around these choices that are available, you know, and, and what the, what does that pathway look like? So sorry for being lengthy on that, but.
0: No, no, you're totally yeah, fine. Yeah. And I think that, that analogy, I mean, the parent analogy that you just, you, you, you put up there is, is exactly the crux of the issue. You know, you said for the next six days in our house is the government, our parents. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the crux of the issue. If you had to put it into a metaphor, that's it. Yeah. People who believe very strongly in negative liberty will say, yeah. in a modern democratic pluralistic society, we all have different conceptions of the good as adults. And the government should not have any role in telling me what my conception of the good is, so long as I'm not harming someone else. Yeah. Whereas the positive liberty conception, depending on how far you sense sales will go from... Yeah secondhand smoke all the way to, we should be teaching people, we should be forcing people to eat a certain way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is what I would ask for those who are, who really think hard about this is, you know, and and again, this would be a, a thought experiment that's uncomfortable, but you know, what would be so wrong with the government forcing everyone to wake up and for an hour to participate in physical challenges? Like everyone had to do it. You know, what's your argument against that? Like, are you, are you really like, I, cause I need to see it. I need to see the list of the five things that are, that are saying, what's the downside of the government regulating us to get up and have physical challenge participation? You know, cause I don't, I, I'm, I'm not, of course I'm biased, right? I see all the virtues inside of doing physical challenges every day and, you know, breathing and being outside and opening my mind, et cetera. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, you have to do this. And you're disagreeing with the have to, okay. But what's the problem with proposing it as an idea? You know, and if you're like, oh, I, you know, uh, mm, uh, you know, it's like, you really don't have a super strong argument to that. Are you arguing only because you're saying that you shouldn't have to do it? That's That's not strong, in my opinion. That's not strong, in my opinion, for what the observed positives are. And what we've seen in evidence over time of people having this, you know, uh, this even an incorrectly aligned intention towards exercise, after months and months, they're like, you know what, I kind of don't mind this, it kind of like opens up my mind for the day. And it sets me on this path. And I feel you know, I'm making better decisions in the afternoon, I'm choosing broccoli over Doritos now. Why? Because the government intervened on this hour thing that we just are expected to do every day. Right. And, and so that's a, that's an uncomfortable thought experiment. Right. But cause immediately <laughs> people immediately think about like, um, you know, the soaring, so yeah, uh, the, the horn goes off and everyone's up like doing the, <laughs> doing the key chong, you know, movements led by Robbie and, and Brandon. Um, and, uh, we're all like, yeah, you know, good to go. Get out there and, and, uh, make us money. And to push people through the system, you know, that's not what we're saying. So anyways, an uncomfortable thought experiment I've had before is like, why don't we just get right to the chase, force people to actually do it with no impedance, meaning there's no cost impedance, right? It's just their time. It's just their time and their energy that they have in order to do it. And uh, you got to do it. You got to do it. And it's community run and everyone is, it's well accepted. We all come together and we all do it together. And it's for that purpose, right? Of uh, of just uh, getting people up to speed on physical expression.
0: So I have a couple of thoughts. Um, So you're wondering what would be the potential arguments against. Um, So again, this is where sometimes I think people get tripped up. No one, no one here is denying the benefit of, you know, an hour of fitness in the morning uh, and the benefits that would come about as a result, but maybe two potential arguments you could have um, about whether, you know that should be instituted legally or not. So number one, that is routinely used in the negative liberty case is the ability of the government or let alone anyone to really know to what extent, you know, something is good or not. But we could even set that aside for a second and say we just we know. Yeah.
1: You know, let's let's just say we know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Even if even if we do know, though that that is an infringement upon autonomy. It is an infringement upon liberty. Um, it it is you know saying that the government's conception of the good needs to be your conception of the good, and you. It's not just that you have to refrain from doing something; you actively have to participate in something. And we may say that that something is good. Eating healthy is good too, mm-hmm. but the government shouldn't necessarily impose it. So those those would be a couple that I can think of that might. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts. One way, yeah, or the other.
1: well, no, I, I'm I'm agreeing that um, as I said, I'm I'm there's lots. <laughs> there's lots i should say um i do still need to like you know um, stretch them out in conversation with people but uh yeah it uh, so th- and in my opinion they're they're not good enough right but that's just my perspective for it um uh but i know there's lengthy arguments based upon that um and uh you know i go i go to another crazy notion idea on it. Again, it's based upon, you know, uh, working hard and doing physical challenges. Um, like you and I, Robbie, know it's, it's an unspoken thing, but it, it doesn't necessarily lead to something right. Like, like that, it's not functional, right? The actual physical hardening that we're doing, it really is still just dance and folly, right? Like, I mean, the, the actual physical challenges that we do, um, we're not doing them because in a later part of the day, we may need to like fend off something. You know what I'm saying? Like that's another. I'm I'm aware of that, um, and so that's why I. I. Uh, it's probably not Ned Block's concepts of the same, the zombie experiments, but with the zombie experiment in my mind is that you know if we if we had you know one tenth of our population were zombies that. You know, we all knew for like a hundred years, we all knew that one tenth of the population were zombies and we all knew how to like live with them. Meaning like, uh, there are times that when, you know, you're just everyone that's being pumped out of the womb, you're coming out knowing, and you're in this society now where everyone recognizes this, you're going to have to be able to run a mile, um, because zombies can only run 800 meters. <laughs> hope you're staying with me here. (laughs) I just came up and thought about it, man. Some people are lost on this one, but just think about this, right? Another hypothetical, right? We all recognize that, you know, there was this, like, we had to be able to run a mile flat out like, and, and why? Because if you can't and you can't carry your child for a mile flat out, you'll be taken by zombies. Right. Why? Because they just die out after 800 meters. Like it's just something, you know, Something just explode. Just, yeah, yeah, they explode. They, they have this internal combustion problem. You know, this, this governor issue, they get to 801. And it's like, beep, beep, beep. They don't even know what's happening. Right. It's like, what the hell? Boom. Um, and humans are like, haha, You know, we know this. And we know, we know something that you don't even know, but we have observed this because it's a hundred years experiment. You know, Anyways, this is, but you see what I'm saying? If that was the case, do you see how it would change up like what we do as a physical expression? Like you have to, you have to be able to run a mile flat out. You have to. Why? Because you can't survive if you can't run a mile flat out. And this, this of course, crazy idea, thought process brings us back to the, your good point is like, well, why do you really need to do it? And if you're asking people to forcefully do it, um, you are going to have some strong arguments to say, like, I don't need to do this shit, like a bunch of push ups and, and pugilism, when my afternoon is like just punching keys on a computer. Like, I'm not connecting whatsoever. How that's going to be effective for me, you know? So, sorry right. if that people down like an unfortunate, you know, area of thought or uh, practice, but, uh, you know, just, we're, trying to, we're trying to come up with, ways to make people inspired around doing exercise you know this is the way to go about doing it
0: no and i mean philosophy is chock full of very detailed thought experiments just just like those (laughs) where it's meant it's meant to highlight something Um, yeah i mean in that case you can you can you know in in that you know uh example it actually brings up a, a good point that's related to this debate about to what extent does self harm play a role in what we legislate and don't legislate? So, in the zombie case, for example, like you're going to die if you can't yeah. run a mile, yeah. and then the question is, even even there, you could still ask the question, well, if someone's like, I want to die, okay, well, that's that's up to you. Yep. Um, you know, that's where we get issues uh, around you know euthanasia and what have you. Yeah. Um, but it really does get to an issue of especially in the health and fitness realm, when we're talking about positive Liberty and necessitating, you know, someone eating healthy or someone working out for an hour in the morning, it really does get to this issue of self-harm because you really got to draw some thick red yarn to say that someone not working out is harming someone else. Um, It's possible it's abstract, but so self-harm in this debate is very important. We can, we, I think almost everyone agrees that we should have laws and or taxes in place to prevent against people physically harming each other, either via drunk driving or secondhand smoke or punching someone in the face. It gets tougher with seat belts, bike helmets, eating Doritos, yeah. stuff like that, because um, that's you are harming yourself. And then we have to get to that question of, should the government your conception of the good Mm -hmm. or you know how to out of those two tussle
1: so yeah yeah man i'm trying to balance out the uh uh emotions that i have around how exhausting you know it is without just like taking the red pill it's probably the wrong you know analogy but just (laughs) just get getting it over with and and saying I fucking don't, I don't care what you think about it. <laughs> I'm just saying, do this, you know, um, it's so easy, right? Like, I mean, you could just see it's in my, it's in my emotions. It's like, um, you know, it just gets so drowned out in all these options that, uh, that are just seemingly, you know, it just seems so simple. Um, cause it's right in front of us. Um, yeah, I, uh, I can't, I can't pull the the quote out of the book, but, as I'm just thinking about that, um, about all this area of investigation that we need to do in order to come to uh, an agreement, really, if if or if not an agreement, just you know laying thoughts out, um, it was a Michelangelo thought, you know, as to how he, how Michelangelo saw, um, you know, uh, the sculpture or the thing that he was going to sculpt, right, um, where he he would say things like. Um, or he mentioned that inside the rock, it's all already the embedded, uh, the thing that I'm going to sculpt. And the whole practice is actually just tearing around all the limitations around what's already embedded inside. Right. You know, so this is where, um, you know, I keep coming back to, you know, is the problem really Robbie that we have not done a really good job of making people aware of these freedoms of physicality they have. You know, like maybe we haven't made people aware of that, like that, that art, art piece of art that's inside of every person that we just haven't given them the opportunity to like, say that you have this opportunity to sculpt this thing, you know, um, And I think that's where I have lots of interest in that, you know, have we done a disservice for a long period of time in waking people up to this, like you have it within you, you know, it's within you. And if you want to argue over that one, (laughs) I don't know. I don't, again, I don't know what else to do, but uh, you know, that's, you know, and, and if they don't, if they don't get it, well, maybe we need different mediums to get, get them to understand it. Right. Like, get them to recognize uh, just, just some uh, father who goes into the gym and after nine months is deadlifting 150 kilos, right? Like to the, to the person who, under, who doesn't stand understand anything about fitness is like, wow, for Robert, Robert is like a beast. And we needed to go, no. Did you know that all humans have this capability of expressing themselves physically, right? We have this inside of us right? And we don't know why we've been given these unbelievable opportunities to express ourselves, right? With these cognitive and physical limitations long-term, right? Of like deadlifting 500 pounds five times in a row, you know? Um, But we can do it. You see what I'm saying? And so every person has an optimal deadlift. I'm just using the analogy of the deadlift, right? Every person has an optimal deadlift that they could get to. And again, what I'm saying is that maybe we haven't done a good job of educating people that Number one, uh, two and a half out of 10 is, uh, is just not enough. You know, it's not enough. And you, you do need to know that there's a nine out of 10, you know, and there it's sweet. There's lots of good shit on the other side of that. And I just don't think we've done a good job of through experience or storytelling or, or examples, um, of what that could be like for a lot of people. And, and we end up in this, uh, this area of really asking, you know, is fitness good for most people? Like, like the fact where, you know,
0: well, I think, I mean, I think what you're mentioning is, is definitely a potential where the positive liberty argument can gain some traction. So you might say something like, and th- there's a spectrum of course, if like the government mandating like one hour of fitness in the morning for everyone on penalty of taxes or, imprisonment or something like that
1: is the far end of the spectrum. Yeah. I didn't even talk about the, the <laughs> I didn't even talk about the repercussions. You know what the repercussions right. is? A second hour. <laughs> so there.
0: Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that could maybe be the far end of the spectrum. But I mean, you know, to your point that you were just saying, like, there there could be a very real sense in which it is the role of the government to make people aware of this potential, make people aware of the goods that come inside this. And this can go back to the, the kids' idea where you're at least making people aware of the potential. And I think you and I would both agree, and this is where, again, that we come back to that idea of a pluralistic society. Some people, even when faced with all the knowledge, they're educated just the best way, are just going to say, fuck it, I don't care. I'm not doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's mm-hmm. what we get in a free democratic pluralistic society mm-hmm. you know, when they get to being an adult. But I do think you know, your point about at least making kids aware and showing them that this is a potential and it it holds so much good. I think that's one way you could go. I think another way you could go is that doesn't infringe upon people's liberties really in any sort of uh, serious way is, you know, should the government play a role in in, um, providing physical fitness facilities the same way we have, you know, public skate parks and things like that. Um, And then the last thing just on this topic is, you know, maybe, maybe this conception of fitness that, you know, you're trying to carve out where we make people aware of it and li- guide them towards it. Maybe it's just better served by a non-governmental organization. Maybe government just isn't, you know, government can be good for certain things, but yeah. maybe it's better as a NGO, like yeah. a, you know, something like that. So yeah. just some thoughts there.
1: Yeah, for sure. On the last one, and we're participating in that with a uh, noble clay who's a uh, Ben Davis and his group out of Atlanta who are, I guess just really digging into that concept, right? Of fitness being served to everyone and everyone should have access to that capability. So there's lots inside of that. That's unbelievable learning for us and educators within fitness. Um, and to your, to your point on the uh, you know um, like skating parks. Um, see, that's the funny thing is that I think that the, the the competency and the accessibility um, you know, The competency, sorry, so it's available. So the the availability for for participation in recreational activities and leisure pursuits, um, dare we say, like health and fitness, uh, again, we've made it super complex, largely for commercial interest, right? We've created rigs and equipment and classes and stuff um, for, for multiple different, you know, intentions, I think, that are moved further and further away from this, you know, fitness for longevity. Um, but I think that those things are available. So, you know, parks and, uh, and nature and, uh, and just walking, you know, the basic concept of walking and, uh, and, uh, maybe building things or lifting rocks. Like I used the example, right. If you're complaining about having equipment, just go for a long walk and lift some rocks. Right. So there's lots of, uh, there's lots of, uh, you know, I would say argument for just again, this comes back to our responsibility. We're not making people aware of the fact that this is accessible with, for these really simple practices. But again, you're always going to bump up against, you know, a couple of things there. Uh, I just keep thinking about the kid who like gets involved in exercise because they see a LeBron James commercial and then they, you know, get further down the road and they recognize that, they were getting involved in that for the wrong reason. It was the athletic pursuit and that falls really short and they get really upset. Right. And it's like, yeah, but you were supposed to get involved in it for just the physical expression. Um, and the reason why I mention that is that we have these, you know, systems that are hijacking that, you know, really virtuous concept, right. Of the, Like the athletic pursuit. We, everyone's jumping on top of that. It's like, but James, we'll get people moving. And I'm like, it still ends up in, uh, in in the bad ending, right? Because they come inside with the wrong intentions, right? And so this is where, you know, there's not a lot, of, there's not a lot of huge promotion um, of, um, you know, a member in your gym, Robbie, right? Like a member in your gym, who's a uh, father um, and a husband and uh, has, a, has a job, right? And there's not a lot of promotion around their experience, right? And because it, it's not that exciting, right? And, and that these are some of the issues you're going to get into when trying to propose, like, what does that model look like? Um, it's always going to probably lean up against something that has to be sensationalized or, or really, really sexy in order to be worthwhile. And It doesn't seem too, too exciting. Um, so there's just some of the issues inside of, you know, going down that route, trying to build up this, uh, this idea.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, um, a couple of things. One would be, you know, again, going back to ways in which government could promote these things, but without imprinting upon people's liberties. I mean, clearly as a society, we have certain people we look up to um, that we think hey, are, you know, examples of a virtue or examples of uh, the good life, whether it's, you know, uh, the founding uh, fathers of America or people who led the civil rights movement, you know, could could there be a similar thing? for um, fitness and health that we, you know, talk about in in schools and things like that. Um, So yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that could be a way in which you could foster the positive cultivation of it. But again, without infringing upon anyone's liberty one way or the other, it's just pure education to kids and
1: things like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just thought about that on our call the other day is that like probably during JFK's time, you know, he didn't, he didn't probably have this person right next to him, but as he was talking about, you know, hardening up society, right. And uh, creating this, uh, um, you know, cause he, he, he put it in some strong words that we're, you know, we're getting weaker and that we need to like strengthen this whole thing. Right. And it starts from physical participation and how we're going to do that. Right. And you could argue about how it was going to happen, et cetera, but they had these individuals um, probably on stage or right along next to him. And they were, they weren't these people, but, we used to have these individuals that would speak about all these virtues of physical participation, like Jack Lane, right? In a light that was like, you just, you just do this as a, as a, as a recreational pursuit to search towards optimal. Now Jack did some unbelievable physical things that probably not a lot of people could do, but he was someone that, you know, no matter, he was a name, you know, people, whether you liked it or not, you kind of looked up to him based upon authority of what physical participation was and he was probably right next to, quote unquote, government in terms of, you know, making sure that, you know, all the things that we do and all the stuff that we ask of all of our uh, people inside of our uh, community and uh, cities and states um, are abiding by these whole things by saying like, and let's not forget about health and fitness as a daily practice, you know, um, but there there isn't that today, right? Um, you know You know, I was indirectly is this is as a canadian looking at arnold schwarzenegger and he's moving to politics i was hoping that he was going to move through california up to having this seat you know within government that would have said like you know and being super honest right listen i took drugs listen i did bodybuilding and listen you know it's not about looking good naked but this is what i'll tell you right you know talking about a free society and having an opportunity to come in here and to participate inside the American dream is inside of you physically. And you can get this through physical participation, right? And this is how, and here's my story. And this is how, you know, and I was hoping he was going to end up like in that seat, right? As this like virtuous, long, you know, challenging life, physical, physical manifestation, you know, that we could all look up to. It didn't necessarily happen. So as I'm saying that out, maybe that's what we need to also think about is, you know, saying these individuals that are in areas where people are watching, you know, we could say things, you know, I, was just, I don't know why I thought of them, but Bear grills. you know, Bear Grylls yeah. the show, yeah. right? Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, why don't we, you know, just keep having the conversation with him and other people that are just like him in multiple different mediums to say things like, do you know what makes me capable of like doing all these things and discovering these things with other people? It's daily practice of physicality. Right. Like you, like, he's not mentioning it, but, and then people have to just make assumptions or make presumptions. Like how did, how did, how does bear at that age after this many shows in the helicopter going across land, how do they do that? And we're not willing to have the conversation, right? It takes you and I going, well, I mean, you know, he probably gets up and, you know, has an egg shake and goes for a run and you know what I'm saying? It's like, why don't we say that? Why don't we, why don't we talk about it? Like he actually does physical participation and then say, You know, if it wasn't for my fitness, I would not be able to do these things back to your point of like trying to come up with these uh, remedies of uh, invoking this, you know, without pressure, it's just about opportunity and with this opportunity and this choice you have, you can participate and look what it leads to it allows me to do all these things that I want to do, you know, and I,
0: I think that may be where the opportunity lies, you know, with like a Jack LaLanne or a Bear Grylls or an Arnold Schwarzenegger, maybe people outside of government who maybe in some way or another get connected with it, who, who do inspirational things. Um, you know, think about it. Like when was the last time anyone listened to the USDA dietary guidelines? Do you know what I mean? Like when think, when fitness guidelines and dietary guidelines get trapped in this bureaucracy and yep. as we know, yeah. Um, comically wrong uh for long periods of time that's one argument against them and then the second argument is well even if they were right people aren't listening to them yeah. so sometimes you need kind of this you know non-governmental or, or outside something that people look to for inspiration that maybe you can connect with government programs somehow yeah um yeah just just thinking out loud there
1: yeah and that's where we came up with i mean that's how in our bubble we came up with basic lifestyle guidelines right because we were like well we got to have Have something we're going to put our stake in the ground on that at least people can look to get inspired by, right? So, you want to work towards what you just did there, right? Staying hydrated throughout the day, like, and develop habits that can get you towards that, right? We're not going to argue with you over sodium potassium balances and the cost of a home water system. That's not where we're going, right? We just want to talk about the concept of hydration, right? That's it. And then, you know, get to an understanding based upon that. So, it becomes that thought and that belief becomes embedded in you. You can pass on other people and you, you know it for yourself, right? So I think that you just uh, made mention of something that's, uh, that's uh, really neat as a, you know, as a project maybe is to continue to push what would be considered really easily implemented guidelines that actually are their, its own research. Like if you participate in these guidelines, you'll see over time. like They'll become obvious to you so you don't have to be sold on something and you don't have to be told something it becomes your observation through your participation of it. And I think it, that that does have to be messaged though. Like it has to be packaged and pushed out and messaged. Um, and we're not, it's not going in the right direction, Robbie, I would say is just an argument. One thing I would use for that argument, it's not going in the right direction is the movement away from physical participation inside of education and the average participation of a child per week for a simple measure, like uh, moving across land in a period of 20 minutes. Right. So this this movement across land has been measured through through load measurements and et cetera. Um, and it's very easy to just see it because, you know, PE is now taken out to down to like once a week or maybe even twice a week in the general consensus, right? Where it used to be like a daily practice. So back to my point, it's like, you know, wh- why, why don't we argue that point, right? I mean, you know, it should be my child's physical freedom to do what they want physically. It's like, well... I don't know, Uh, maybe if it's a practice that they do every day when they're 18 and they get into the real world, they wake up and now they got a job and they're like, wait now, where is that physical practice thing that I need to maintain, right? That I just have inside of me that I've learned how to do that keeps me going to this thing. And now it becomes, you can see, it's like an embedded lifestyle prescription that uh, they don't even know why they're doing it. Um, And that's why I fast track the idea. Just everyone's got to get up as an adult and work (laughs) out for an hour. (laughs) It's right. like, just get it over with, <laughs> you know? Just get the bandaid off. Yeah. Uh.
0: But, I, but I think that is, I mean, especially with the kid's case, that is where you can really gain some traction on like, no, this this is harmful to their ment- mental health. This is harmful to their, you know, uh just like the development of their bodies to be in chairs for that long, to, for their attention, sp- I mean, for so many different things you can make, And, you know, as you've pointed out many times, I think you're right, long term, like it can't just be those reasons that they're engaging in fitness. It's not just those. They have to do it for themselves eventually. But like Mm -hmm. as a means of making laws and and rules around what we do for kids and teaching them, you can make a pretty damn strong case that it shouldn't just be math, English and science. Like you got to have some physical cultivation so they're not sitting in chairs all day looking at screens.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think maybe that's where we need to start as the strongest argument. And that's why I have involvement with the Brand X Method and uh, the concept of what it looks like for this, you know, education for physical change, because I backroom know that that's the deepest impact uh, we can have is to set those new minds up for this, like, great experience of physical expression. So, you know, once they, you know, get older, this just, it's just inside of them to want to do it and do it with others. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So I know uh time wise. Yeah, we're probably tight for time and uh um we did uh I I appreciate the uh the definitions of uh the pluses and minuses of the negative and positive liberty. That really that really uh created a or helped me in in the language of the area. So I appreciate that. Um and I think we do have uh, more to go on this. Um I think maybe you can tell me if that's the case, but I think we need to uh probably lay out some of those arguments for and against um the uh the uh positive liberty optimized concept i think i think that's how i feel anyways is to lay out a bunch of different points on that um and and dig into that and i think there also was more in your document that we wanted to cover um that we could get to also
0: yeah, I agree with that. And I, the other one I'd be really super interested to hear because I'll admit I'm confounded by it, but I'd be interested to hear your perspective is the, should there be laws around fitness coaching? Yeah. And what, what are the Pluses yeah. and minuses of that. Yeah, so.
1: Yeah, lots that. of ideas in that. I have lots of thoughts on that. So. Awesome. Till the next time. So uh, right. thanks, Robbie.
0: Thank you so much, James. Have a good weekend. Thank you.